So my podcast is started off as trading only. I still have traders on, but it's branched out. So I've had six Nobel Prize winners in economics. I've had every psychologist you can probably find under the sun talking about human behavior. You know, one guy I had on, a guy named Robert Allman, won the Nobel Prize in game theory. That was fantastic uh, background. So, you know, I had a had an investor on that some people might be familiar with. He's made himself over a billion bucks. A guy named Howard Marks. I think my next guest on Thursday night Eastern is Tom Galasano. And Tom's made himself three billion bucks starting the payroll processing company Paychecks. Oh, nice. So, you know, I'll talk to, you know, I've had, I've had Tim Ferriss on. I've had Ryan Holland, Tucker Max, you name it. You're listening to the Steady Trade Podcast, a podcast that inspires traders to make meaningful strides and pursue their passions. Your hosts are Tim Bowen, the lead trainer at Stocks to Trade Pro, Kim Ann Curtin, the Wall Street coach, and Steven Johnson, the up-and-coming trader who's always willing to learn. Together, we'll sit down with experts to talk about their process, the lessons they've learned, and discuss how all traders can level up their trading careers. Got an amazing guest today, you know, somebody that I greatly respect as a, you know, as a somebody that's been trading now for, you know, almost 15 years and also as somebody that that uh, you know, I I have a a hobby, I guess. I I keep trying to be professional, but I I have a hobby of writing and uh you know, I look back at, at our guest today as, as somebody that was very instrumental in my early days of getting started. You know, I, I started um, really getting serious about trading in 2007, 2008, around the financial crash and, and, and all the extreme volatility. And I started reading everything and a lot of good, a lot of bad, a lot of in between. But uh, I just remember really the uh the book trend following first of all the, the idea of 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 the that system that methodology and then and then i think a book that many of you would would really find help is the complete turtle trader and and the whole turtle trader series because something we talk about the podcast all the time is just man if you can have some discipline if you can learn some rules if you can just stick to those rules and not take excruciating losses and not get outside your comfort zone. You can, I really think anyone now, I think you got to have a passion for this stuff, but I think if you've got that passion, if you got that desire, it's really something anyone can do. I mean, Hey, I love to play basketball, but I'm five, eight. I'm not playing in the NBA. I'm not succeeding. Okay. I love baseball. I love basketball. I know, I know Michael is a big fan of baseball, but you know, I'm just an average dude. I'm not going to excel at any of those things, no matter how hard I try. But I think trading is one of those exceptions to the rule. So I'd like to welcome Michael Cavell to the podcast. And hopefully I didn't butcher the last name, but, uh, you know, the author of complete turtle trader and trend following. Welcome aboard, Michael. You got it right, Tim. Did I? Awesome, awesome. I, I was I was sweating there for a second. <laughs> Short shortened from Kavialaskis to Kavaleski to Covell by my grandfather. Oh, interesting, interesting. So that was an immigrant thing, or? Well, yeah, I think you know if you showed up on Ellis Island and your name was something crazy sounding, they just gave you a a different name. Yeah, so. sure, sure. 
So, you know, the, my biggest questions are what, uh, you know, you know, I always kind of like to go back to the beginning, um, kind of what, what got you started on researching the turtle traders? What got you started on, on, you know, writing trading books and, and, and going into this? In the early to mid nineties, I was a freshly minted MBA from Florida State University. Not exactly the pipeline to Wall Street, but that's where I wanted, <laughs> that's where I wanted to go. And so I went to the alumni office at Florida State and I found one guy that was on Wall Street and he was just the recently retired CEO of Solomon Brothers. So my very first Wall Street meeting was with the recently retired CEO of Solomon Brothers, one of the biggest investment banks at the time. You know, there was a great conversation, uh, took a lot of attitude away from him, did not get a job with Solomon Brothers. But walking out of that meeting, within a couple days, I was in a Borders bookshop and I picked up a magazine. It was Wall Street's top 100 paid for the year. And in there was these, you know, 100 names. Some of them we all know, George Soros, uh, you know, et cetera, stuff like that. But there were some names. I had no clue who they were, but these were like, you know, some of these were men in their 30s and 40s and just making boatloads of money. And one guy, I think he was number 35 in the list, was this guy named Jerry Parker. And it was like literally three sentences. And it said, Jerry Parker, a turtle trader trained by, maybe it didn't say turtle trader, but they said turtle, I can't remember, trained by Richard Dennis, this trader on Wall Street, uh, in Chicago, in fact. And he had made... 35 million bucks at the age of 37 in one year. And it said he was not using fundamentals. He was using a trend tracking system. So here I was, a guy who did terrible at accounting, who could have cared less about, you know, reading balance sheets. And now here I was reading just a little blurb in a magazine about a guy who was doing none of that and making a fortune. And at that light bulb moment, I was like, well, if he exists, that means anyone can do it. Now, maybe that's a crazy thought, but that's what I thought. If he exists, and he did exist, I thought anyone could do it, and this must be some kind of secret that they're not talking about in the NBA programs. And that was the start of learning right there. So, um, so, so, you, so you start there, obviously, and then now, when, when did the turtle trader, you know, actually, actually, let let me tell you this, or let you tell the story. So. Give a little bit, because we're going to talk about turtle traders a lot. What, what, what is the, gave your background. Now, now, what is the origin story of the turtle traders? I'll, I'll probably butcher it, but you know, I, I know it, but I'll probably get it wrong. But I mean, I, how did it come about? Uh, you know, I, I always, my layman version is I always tell people, well, the best way to figure it out is watch trading places. Now I know it's a lot more elaborate than that, but I mean, how did, how did turtle traders come about? How did that competition begin? So in the mid-1970s, a close to 300-pound, six-foot-two guy in Chicago <laughs> named Richard Dennis was trading on the floor, and he was making a bloody fortune. He had made one million bucks by the age of 25. I mean, fantastic, right? One million oh, bucks. Sure, especially in, in the 70s. Hell yeah, yeah, one million bucks <laughs> in the mid-1970s when you're 25. He's one of the biggest guys around. Anyways, he makes a couple hundred million by the age of 37, and right around the time Trading Places came out, around 1982, now I'm just relaying the story, what happened. I wasn't around at the time, so sure. I have to, you know, dig back and find and, and, you know, uncover all this. So, you know, he makes his first million in the mid-70s. He gets to his late 30s. He's made a couple hundred million. You know, in 1981, 1982, there would have been two great traders on the planet, Richard Dennis and George Soros. 
So anyways, Mr. Dennis and his partner go to see the movie Trading Places. And they walk out, and this guy, Richard Dennis, who's made all this money, says, you know, we can do that. His partner, what are you talking about? We can take people off the street. His partner's like, what do you mean we can take people off the street? We can train people to be like me. And his partner's like, no way, man. You're, you're a savant. You're innate. You're a gifted, brilliant dude. You, we can't make people be like you. And this guy, Richard, was like, no, no, we can't. They made a bet. I don't know if there's really any money. They put ads in the Wall Street Journal and Barron's, and they wanted to hire trainees. Thousands of people replied because a lot of people knew who Richard Dennis was at the time. He was in all the magazines and stuff. So they hired around 20 people, 20 students. He nicknamed them the Turtles because he had been to a turtle breeding farm in Singapore, and he wanted to grow traders like they were growing turtles there. (laughs) That's one version of the story that I've heard. I've heard he also liked the band uh, the Turtles, uh, Happy Together song, all that fun stuff. So anyways, he hires these students. He says, okay, sit down in the office. They give them two weeks of training. Two weeks, that's it. They give, <laughs> they give them rules. They say, here are your rules you're going to trade. And they stake them with money. Four years later, that group of approximately 20 people, they made $100 million profit. Then... And- well, they left the program. They left the program. They went out on their own. They all started hedge funds. They all made a ton of money. And then that was when I read the one little article about one of the turtles after he had left the cocoon of working for Richard Dennis. Now, you know, the, the first the first question I was and, and I'm sure many listeners will come to and, and, and I've seen the quote many times by Dennis. But it's like and obviously we're, we're, you're simplifying years of stuff here, but I mean, if it's that, if, if it really is that easy, why doesn't just everyone take two weeks of training and make a hundred million dollars? I had a guy in my podcast named Anders Erickson. He is a psychology professor. He is the guy that developed all of the research behind deliberate practice. Yep. Deliberate I've practice. Actually, which, what was deliberate his book? Uh, Peak. Yep, yep, read it. There we go. I, I, the name so sounded Malcolm, vague. Malcolm Gladwell took his work and made it more famous. But if you listen to Anders Ericsson, if you understand what he's talking about, there's your answer. Most people are just full of shit. Most people <laughs> are lazy. Most people don't want to do anything. That's why there's casinos in Vegas, because all those folks think they're actually investing when they're sitting at slot machines. So there's your answer, right? You know, you, you made it, you made a point when we talked. You said, you know, I'm five foot eight. I can't be Michael Jordan. Well, you could have been Spud Webb. Spud Webb got to the NBA too. Fair uh, Muggsy, Muggsy Bogues got to the NBA at five three. Now those are the extreme outliers. You're right. Probably on average, what's the average guy in the NBA? Six foot four, six foot six. But when it comes to the matters of the mind, when it comes to discipline and deliberate practice, there's your answer. Now look, of course there's going to be, you know, volatility in returns of individuals applying anything, right? So, you know, you might do the exact same effort as some guy over here, and you might make a million bucks over the course of a lifetime, and maybe he makes a billion. But you know what? You can't use that as a judge. That's freaking luck. Sure. I mean, if some young person comes to you and says, hey, my goal is to make a million, a billion dollars, a million, fine, but a billion? Come on, that's luck. There's only a couple thousand people on the planet you know, out of 7.5 billion people. I mean, do the statistics. So the reality is, is everyone can do well, but they have to understand something like deliberate practice. They have to stick with it. But you know, hey, casinos are easier. 
Yeah, actually, I love that point. Thank you, because, I mean, that's something I talk about on the, I mean, 150 episodes into the podcast all the time. I'm like, listen, can you make good money doing this? Especially on, uh, you know, one, one of the things I talk about to a lot of people is, is, is make trading like your side hustle. I mean, listen, there's, there's no health insurance in trading. You know, there's no, there's no retirement plan. You know, there's no paid time off. There's no benefits at all. But I think that one of the best ways to make some good money to whether, whether it's pay off debt, you know, or, or save it or, or, or go on a vacation is trading. And, and I think that one of the biggest reasons we all hear these 90% failure rate stat, stats is because people, you know, they're not happy with 10 grand a month or, or a hundred grand a year. They want to make that billion or, or, you know, and it's just not realistic. And, that's what I love about what you just said is, is, you know, we call it the steady trade podcast because the idea is, listen, if you learn these rules, whether you're trend following or, or whether you're using some other sort of strategy, you can really supplement your income and you can do it from a laptop really anywhere if you follow the rules. If you follow the rules, but <laughs> most people, most people don't want to follow the rules. Look, I get emails all day long and the ideas that people have for trading the ways they think they can make money. I mean, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty loopy out there. I mean, look, unfortunately, and this is not just some tout of my work or my books. They're both, they're all of them, more than two are very well researched. You can go find all of the end notes, the bibliography, et cetera. It's not just Mike Covell spouting off some opinion. However, you can also go to Amazon and you can find books about, you know, Gan and Elliott Wave. And day trading at the speed of light. And this is all just shit, right? <laughs> and people think this stuff is true because they can buy a book, but there's like literally no evidence behind is, it. Is there actually, is no. there actually a book called day trading at the speed of light? I, I, I would not be surprised. Okay. I mean, no, I, no, I, get, I, no, that was my thought. No, I'm hey, like, hey, listen, like, that's awesome. That's an awesome hey, title. Day trading hey, at the speed of light. I sat, I sat down with a guy who does trade at the speed of light in Singapore, but he's a professional trader with a staff of 25 sure. and servers out the wazoo and he's doing, he's been doing this for 20 years. So he kind of understands how to trade at the speed of light. You don't, not you personally, but you personally, me personally, we don't have a freaking clue. We don't have the resources to do anything like that. So what is, uh, you know, again, going back to the, to the story of the turtle traders and what, what is your, what's your, and I know it might be like naming your favorite child, but, uh, you know, what's your favorite story or, or your favorite trader from, from the turtle traders? That's an interesting question. <laughs> so Jerry Parker is the most successful. He's been on my podcast. He's a very meat and potatoes kind of guy, very straightforward. I'm not going to retell any of his stories. People can find those online. He's a pretty uh, voluminous guy. He really has, you know, got out there and got out there and really told the story and uh, given his insights over the years. There's a couple people that are perhaps less well known. There's one guy who's now deceased, a guy named Mike Shannon. When I first interviewed him, I asked him a question. I said, "Hey, is there is there anything?" And he had started off as a bartender, this crazy background, you know, and I. I said, is there anything I've not asked you? We were just talking about how he got hired and all that kind of stuff. He actually went to the to the bottom of some library and found all of the articles on Richard Dennis because he was in all the articles. And he read all the articles. So when he went to the interview, basically was quoting Richard Dennis back to Richard Dennis. <laughs> and so that was a good way to get liked. 
But I asked him in the interview all these years later, I said, hey, is there anything I've not asked you that, you know, you want to tell me? Kind of paused and hummed. And he, he said, you know, yeah, I, I was a criminal. I was like the largest Coke dealer in Chicago. And Richard didn't know it when he hired me until because I was working undercover for the FBI until the <laughs> FBI came in one day to brief him. And Dennis, who was famously known as pro-marijuana long before it ever became popular. I mean, Dennis was writing pro-marijuana pieces in the early 80s. Dennis wasn't really that, you know, he didn't really care that much. You know, just, Shannon kept on working. It was just kind of one of those crazy, crazy stories. Look, and there's also some stories in the turtle world. If people listen to this conversation, and I'm not naming names, people can go find names. There's some folks that really were just full of it. So there were some people in the program that did exceptionally well, the majority, right? I've seen their track records. I posted their track records in my book. They were just the real deal. There were some that were not the real deal. There were some that were just kind of hangers on and did not really go down the right path. And later on in life, I mean, you can find... Their stories on the internet and it's, you know, it kind of looks like, you know, life imploded. Like they, they just didn't really do the work. They kind of fell apart. So, you know, look, life is funny. You, you gotta stay focused. You gotta stay disciplined because even the people that were sitting there in 1983, 84, when the turtle thing started, even some of those people utterly failed and they had all of the advantages and they failed. And I mean, you know, it's like, it's like so many things though. It's like, you know, it's like uh, one, you know, the, the quote, there's no such thing as an overnight success. And it's like, you know, people, people want to take, want that shortcut. I mean, Hey, I'm, I'm a, I'm as big a fan of Tim Ferriss as there is, but it's like, you know, the hacks only get you so far. At some point you just got to put in the work and you got to have that passion and you got to show up and do all the right things. And that's a, you know, you, you gave a great example. You, you, you put in, I mean, if you, if you drop wing nuts into this system, you're going to get wing nuts out the other side. I mean, that's, that's just the way it works. You know, you make a great point about Tim Ferriss, who I'm fond of because I think Tim did something very important. Tim basically helped to promote the idea of being an entrepreneur yep. and to do it from anywhere. Exactly. So to use, yep. to use digital technology and to do it from anywhere. Now, some people will get caught up in the minutiae. And they'll be like, well, I heard Tim say this exact thing I have to do. And I did that and it didn't work. So now Tim's a, he's a fake or something. It's like, yep. no, no, that's not, that's not what he's doing. He's telling you the big picture. You have to get your dusty rear end off the ground and go do the work. But to blame, to blame, I know you weren't doing that, but to blame Tim, which some people do, some people blame me, probably some people blame you. And then you know what I say? Hey, look, the information is out there. You have to take personal responsibility. You have to do something with it. And if you don't, don't send me any whiny emails because I'm just going to delete them anyways. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, again, going back to the point where I, I think Four Hour Work Week was published, I think 2008 or somewhere in there, similar time frame to where I was looking to branch out into trading because, and and, and Four Hour Work Week was pivotal for me because I had a business. I, I built up a business from the the year uh, uh, twenty from when I was 22 in roughly 1994. And I made every mistake that Ferris said not to do. All I did was made, made myself a super stressful, highly demanding job. I mean, it was like, yeah, I had a business, which is awesome. 
but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't, I, I took phone calls at 2 a.m. I took phone calls at 4 a.m. You know, I made every single entrepreneurial mistake I, that you could. And all I did was, I mean, the business was successful, but I was on the hook 24 seven. So if you figured it out, I was making about 10 bucks an hour when I was the business owner. And, uh, that's why I found Tim found trading and really started. And again, kind of looping back to what I already said, found trend following and found the turtle traders and was like, wait a minute. If these Joe blows from the newspaper can do it, maybe I can do it too. Yeah. And we, we, we should clarify that the Joe blows were definitely competent people. Sure. A lot of, a lot of them, a lot of them were very from the homeless shelter or something, but no, but one, one guy, one guy though, however, and he's deceased now too, but one guy was a security guard at the Chicago Board of Trade, living over top of a saloon. Okay. Now, look, that doesn't mean he did not have, you know, a good IQ and wasn't a smart guy, but I think sometimes we all get caught up in, you know, uh, some of that stuff, and uh, the reality is you got to dig a little deeper. Now, um, you know, I I, I have to admit, um, listen to your podcast a lot when you got started. I think you're like four or 500 episodes in. Um, I used to listen to it more. Love it. I mean, I, I tell you, you're really, really good at it. I, the only thing I blame is the fact that I'm podcasting myself and I also, I always blame Joe Rogan because I mean, God, I mean, I, I as much as I love Joe, I wish he wouldn't put out four, three hour podcasts a week. So it's like, there's, only, got, there's only so much time in the exactly. game. And it's like, damn it. Joe's got so many interesting guests. It's like, I can't keep up. So he's, um, he's the only one. He's the only one I barely listen to besides doing my own thing too. I yeah. don't have time. So why don't you I, I, listen, lack of a better term, Give me a commercial. Promote your podcast. I, I again, I listened to it in the early days, back before Joe got started. When do you, I think you started before him? Actually, um, what what do you do on the podcast? Who do you have on there, etc.? So my podcast is started off as trading only. I still have traders on, but it's branched out. So I've had six Nobel Prize winners in economics. I've had every psychologist you can probably find under the sun talking about human behavior. You know, one guy I had on, a guy named Robert Allman, won the Nobel Prize in game theory. He has fantastic uh, background. So, you know, I had, a, had an investor on that some people might be familiar with. He's made himself over a billion bucks, a guy named Howard Marks. I think my next guest on Thursday night Eastern is Tom Golisano, and Tom's made himself three billion bucks starting the payroll processing company Paychecks. Oh, nice. So, you know, I'll talk to, you know, I've had I've had Tim Ferriss on, I've had Ryan Holiday on, Tucker Max, you name it. Uh Jeez. Just a lot, a hey, ton, a ton of people. I mean, look at 800 plus episodes. I've, I've talked to, I've talked to everybody. You know, you know how to drop the, the right names, man. I'm a, I'm a huge Ryan, uh, holiday fan, huge Tucker Max fan. You, 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 you did, you dropped the right names to make me happy, man. <laughs> but you know, I don't, I don't, I don't do that to toot my horn. It's just like, you know, oh, I'm, no, I'm done. Okay. Yeah. You know, after you've done it for so long, I've talked to a lot of interesting people and I, I find there is a thread. There is a thread of thinking. Right. I like people that can think. And there's so many folks out there. If you watch public debate online, whether it's sure. Twitter or Facebook or whatever, people deal in logical fallacies. People can't think they can't add two plus two together. Or if they add two plus two, they get 17. And, and, and you, think, the, personally, I think they should. I, my recommendation to, to like Zuckerberg would be like rename Facebook 
logical fallacy because it's like, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if there's, I mean, that's the, it's the biggest social network of them all. And I don't know if there's ever been a reasonable argument take place on Facebook, but <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I try to have reasonable arguments with people, but the moment I get the unreasonable, I mean, I don't know how many people I've blocked over the years. That's the easiest way to deal with it. And not because they might be a bad person or something, but you know, look, life is short if you're going to walk into a debate with somebody who likes to try to think, I do, and you are going to bring something insane to the table, you have clearly not prepared, you're clearly not thinking, then just, okay, go away. I, I, I don't, <laughs> that'd be a mean guy or anything, but who cares? I don't, you know, <laughs> go away, you know, come on, do the work, right? Yep, the work exactly. feels good, you know, make your mind tougher, make your mind more flexible. Come on. Which, which, I mean, obviously, uh, I, I, maybe you have, maybe you haven't, but man, you gotta get, I, I've been working on him, but you gotta get Jocko on your podcast, man. So I've not, I've not asked him. You know, the thing is, is too, is when I look at some of the big shows, specifically like Tim's and, and Joe's, they bring a certain style of guest on it and they have a certain carte blanche to bring whoever they want on with the listens they can get. Sure. But I also find that there's a whole different level of thinker out there that's probably never going to get on Joe or Tim's show who are absolutely brilliant. I mean, look, there's no, there's Nobel Prize winners that Tim and Joe are not going to have on. And I'm more than happy to speak with the Nobel Prize winners. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I agree. I, I didn't really think of it that way. And, you know, and Jocko's everywhere anyway, but, but I'm still going to try and get him just because I'm such a <laughs> huge fan. I'm so, I'm too much of a fanboy, but <laughs> so uh, just a couple more things I wanted to ask you. Um, you know, and, and I know this is kind of a broad question, but you know, especially with your research in the turtle traders, and, you know, kind of turning that in, and I know it's not the best term, but I, I just always think of it as like that guy on the street or that gal on the street into a successful trader. What, uh, you know, you know, what's your, most of our listeners are, are, are new traders. They're, they're coming to this podcast because they're, they're looking to learn this stuff. We talk about the basics here. You know, we're not talking about advanced anything here. It's more just kind of getting started. What's your, what's your best advice for Joe or Jane six pack? that are one month into trying to pursue trading for, you know, realistic income. We're not, we're not talking to people that want to buy a Lambo next week. Okay. I don't want to talk to those people at all, but I want to, you know, what's the advice for somebody that wants to make some good money that can improve their life over time? I think the first thing is to think about when one will enter and when one will exit. Right. So if we talk about buy and hold, which is the, the mantra, you're basically just buying and never, there's no exit. Right. So, but if you're going to be a trader, a trader has to have an exit and you got to know that exit before you ever get in. Perfect. Right. So if you're, if you're a trader, you're going to have your entry rule. I'm going to enter XYZ market. You're going to have to figure out what markets you're going to follow, what markets you're going to track. It should not be everything. It should yep. be a narrow, a narrow universe. Well under 100 things you should be following in your life. You do not need to follow thousands and thousands of stocks. They're all correlated at 100% to begin with, so you're just overkill. So once you have that group of markets to follow, you need a way to say, I'm in. Okay, now you place a trade. Now what? Well, the now what should have been known before you got in. Meaning, Love if, you're gonna place, <laughs> if you're going to place, if you're going to get in, you have to know before you get in, 
when the hell you're getting out. If you don't know when you're getting out, when you get in, you're back at Vegas at the freaking one arm bandit stuffing the slot machine. Perfect. And and I again, I know you have no time to listen to this podcast, but I, I, I promise you that is something that I talk about in. 90% of these episodes is, is have a plan is what I call it. I mean, it's like, and, and, and have a rationale. I mean, it's, and obviously you've gotten the emails, you've talked to the people. It blows me away how many people are like, you know, I'm in this stock. What do I do? First of all, I'm like, okay, why'd you buy it? Well, it was going up. Okay. Well, that was it. Okay. What's your stop? Well, I'll stop out if it doesn't work. And I'm like, what, what, what is any, you're, you're talking gibberish here. You, you yeah. bought it for one reason because it was going up and then you're going to stop out if it doesn't work. Does that mean it drops 1%, 10%, 100%? You know, and, and that is, I love that. Thank you. Let me add, let me add, let me add, let me add on top of that though, the turtle mentality, which is this turtle trading that we've been talking about. This nickname is based on a form of trading called trend following, which is yep. another title of one of my books. And this mentality is very different than what most new people expect. It was different for me. Most new people expect, okay, I need to know what the crop reports say. I need to know what the analysts say about Microsoft. What's the PE ratio? What's the balance sheet? What's all of this data? Data that never ends, right? Never ends. Oh, especially okay. now. I mean, right. I, think never, about, it, it, I think about back when the turtles were trading. It's like, it, I mean, well, there was, other, look, I mean, there was still the Fed back then. Sure, there was fair crap reports. I mean, so the data never ends. So it's, it's so all of this data. So you got to say to yourself, okay, my first goal is to enter. My second goal is to exit and make some money. If you're using all this data, how the hell do you decide <laughs> what's useful, what's not useful, what's valid, what's not valid? It's overwhelming. And you're competing against the likes of Warren Buffett and Goldman Sachs, who actually do know how to use this information in a way at a different level than you. The great thing about the turtle story was they said, take all that information and, and can it. Put it to the side. Don't think about it. Okay. And what the turtles were taught, when the market is moving up, you should be going with the market. Sure. When the market is going down, you should be going with the market. And so what you do is you take all of that fundamental information and you reduce it to one number, one number only, which is the price of the market. So, for example, if Tesla is at 100, right, and you decide, okay, Tesla is moving up, I'm going to get into it. It moved to 150. I'm going to get into Tesla. Hold on. That's an all-time high? 150? Yeah, 150 at one point in time, and Tesla was an all-time high. Okay, so now I'm long Tesla at 150, and that's the all-time high. People are thinking, oh, my God, i got to buy cheap. I want to wait for the pullback. No, 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 you don't. You want to be going for momentum. So now you buy Tesla at 150. What do you do? You wait. You wait. You wait and wait and wait till you get a stop. That's the name of the game. Now, the thing is, when you trade this way, when you trade on price, when you trade on momentum, if you got in at that 150 on Tesla, you don't have to know why it went to a thousand. Exactly. It seems to be going. You don't have to, have, you don't have to know any reason why it went there because at the end of the day, forget the name of the market, take Tesla, throw that away. If a market, whatever market goes from 100 to a thousand, why would you care what name that market is? 
what stock it is. Why would you care what the name is? If you're on board and it goes from 100 to 1,000, why do you care what the name is? You don't care what the name is. You could care less what the name is. All you care about is, did I get on board and go from 100 to 1,000? That's what's important. The name is not important. The fundamentals are not important. What they're saying on CNBC, Bloomberg, et cetera, not important. Wall Street Journal, not important. New York Times, not important. What's on Facebook? What's on Twitter? The, you know, finance Twitter, not important. Zero importance. The daily riffraff, the daily analysis, not important. None of it's important. The only thing that matters is, were you on board when it went from 100 to 1,000? Now, and, and if you have, hold on. Have you have some deep-seated daddy psychological issue where you need <laughs> to talk to people all the time? And you need to kind of like share your feelings. Okay, then I get it. But that's not about making money. That's your deep-seated daddy issue. And that's why it's such a – I love that you chose that example because it's it's the perfect stock for that. Because it's like, you know, you, you look at like one Tesla crashes somewhere in Mississippi and everyone loses their mind. But how does that – how do, what does that matter if the stock's up every single day for the last – Four months. I mean, obviously there's red days, but all you got to do is draw a trend line going back to last October or whatever. And it's like none of that noise matters. And you could read every single article on both sides of, of that. And you could, you know, dig into the fundamentals and you could, you know, see Elon's crazy tweets. But none of it matters when the stock just goes up every day. All the fundamental information. I'll be point blank about this. All of the fundamental information about Tesla. There's absolutely no way that anybody listening has any evidence that that fundamental information in Tesla is anything other than mental masturbation. Yep. That's all it is. Well said. Love it. Love it. (laughs) So, um, kind of last quest, last couple questions. Um, I got two more for you. Um, do you have any, you know, again, I, I, and I'm trying not to be too much of a fanboy, but, uh, do you have any upcoming books and any upcoming projects, anything you're working on? There's a trader that I've had on my podcast who I've had on a lot. His name is Tom Basso. He was featured in the book, the new market wizards, two books that I would recommend that your readers definitely check out if they've not seen. Market Wizards, New Market Wizards. We actually, is, we, it was Jack Schwager came on about a month ago. He was awesome. Yep. Great guy. Tom, yeah. uh, Tom Basso is featured in the New Market Wizards. Tom is kind of, he spent a lot of time on my podcast and we decided to go ahead, me and him, to do a book together using his podcast episodes as a foundation. So that's coming in 2020. Um, something else is in the works, a little bit of a, Another documentary I did one years ago, and that is in the works and coming. Which I, I hope remember that. That was crap. What was was it? Cheap. Ten years ago. Was it ten years ago? about the financial crisis? And but this one, this one it was is awesome. By the way, this, this, this new what, one is going to be in the headspace. This new one is going to be in the headspace of where we've been talking today. And okay. but it was called the, the the documentary before was called broke. And there Bro. was a sheep. There was a sheep on the cover that was that, shaved. That's fair why enough. You were fair enough. Okay, that's where it was coming from. All right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Which I I loved. I, I watch. I remember watching that back then. I mean, so well done. Um, man, it's pretty wild to think back. That was that long ago. But yeah, definitely check out Broke. Um, is is it everywhere? I'm assuming. It's uh what's everywhere. It's been ten years. It's online. You can view it online. It's on Vimeo. You can rent it. Yeah, okay. Fair enough. Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. So no, highly recommend it. Love that. So um so my the last trend question, fo- well, no, finish, finish, finish. Sorry. No, no, I was gonna say that you know the trend following book, there's been five editions. 
if people do check that out, they should check out the newest edition. It's like three pounds. It's 220,000 words. If you can't finish reading it because maybe you have some kind of mental imbalance, you can use it as a weapon to kill people. <laughs> um, last question is, and I've been kind of curious about this for years, really, um, was fortunate enough to have Jim Rogers on the podcast about, I think it was back last summer. And, you know, Jim famously relocated to Asia. And, you know, I talked about his rationale and his why. And, uh, you know, I know you, I think you're, um, I might be wrong. I think you're full time there. You spend most of your time there. Um, as a guy that, you know, my, my kids are kind of growing up. I'm always kind of looking for options. Um, what, what was your, what was your why behind moving to Asia? Was it, was it, you know, taxation or was it just, what, what was it? I've had a chance to go spend time with Jim multiple times over the years. He's been on my podcast too. I've had a chance to, I'm only about, you know, an hour and a half flight from Singapore, but yeah, he's great. Um, look, you know, I was happily spending time in America for my, for most of my life. And I got hired on a speaking tour of Asia in 2013 it was going to be a four-month tour. I was going to be in, I don't know, 10 countries. When it was over, I said to myself, you know, I really don't have any desire to leave. So I stayed. That was it. That was the rationale. That's and look, the, ener- <laughs> the energy, the energy, if you're in any mega Asian city, whether that's Tokyo, Shanghai, Hong Kong, Shenzhen, Kuala Lumpur, Singapore, Saigon, Bangkok, these places have energy that America doesn't have. Now, you could find a hell of a lot of energy in New York City, no doubt. But beyond New York City and perhaps Vegas, but the kind of Vegas energy is a little bit different. That's more crazy. <laughs> but the energy in Asian cities cannot be replicated. It can't be replicated. So you literally wake up every day saying, let's go take it on. Whereas we all know what can happen to us in America. We get a house in the burbs. We sit around, we get fat, we watch TV, we see the same neighbors every week, and it gets pretty damn boring. I've watched people come to Asia. You know, I've watched people specifically come to Saigon, where I spend a lot of time. And to watch their attitudes, to watch their energy change, it's amazing. But, you know, too few Americans, we really don't get out and do it. But I got to say, look, what are you holding on to? If you got some cash, if you got some mobility... And all you have holding you back is fear. You know, I can probably guess you got a lot of other issues going on in your life too. No, that's man, that's that's incredible. I mean, you know, it's one of the things I have to admit. You know, again, I'm I'm almost fifty, and I've I've never been to Asia, and just hearing Jim's story, and especially hearing yours, it uh, you know, I kind of figured that's what it was. Is just kind of that whole vibe, that whole developing nation. You know, that 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 there's like, you know, it's not. Oh, develop- well, it's not, it's not just developing. We're talking, we're talking cities. Most mega Asian cities make almost every city in America look like a piker. It's- and I'm not being, I'm not being mean or anti-American. I'm American. I'm happy to have my passport. But the <laughs> energy and the building and the economic development and the growth and the people, what's happening across Asia? Look, that's where the middle class growth is. I mean, you got a kid in America. And he's learning Spanish over some Asian language. I would argue that most parents in America failed. Yeah. I mean, I have to admit as a parent, you know, my kids are taking Spanish because it's the only language that's offered. I mean, I'm glad they're learning it. 
But I mean, obviously, and obviously Jim's a huge advocate of that, you know, teaching yeah. his, his kids Mandarin and everything. But, um, yeah, I, I, I totally agree. It, it does it's bum tough. me out, you know. <laughs> Look, it's, it's, listen, listen you, as you say, because we're roughly the same age, as you say, you know, as you talk about these issues, it's tough. And I'm not trying to be too cavalier. I get the fears. I get the great unknown. But we're all connected. The one thing that you learn, which is fantastic, except for mainland China, except for mainland China, when you go to mainland China, basically nothing works. I mean, I'm talking Google, Facebook, your, your email, forget it. It doesn't work. Hopefully your VPN will stay working. But everywhere else, you know, you land and you're connected. And you're not far away. Yeah, you might be distance far away to people, but you're still close. And we, and we just don't have that sense until we go and do it. You know, once you go, then you get that feeling of like, oh, I'm, I'm not that far away. And then you get to have this whole other second life that, you know, most people don't get a chance to experience. Highly recommend it. Well, I would like to thank you, Michael. Again, um, we met, geez, going on 10 years ago. Um, really, you know, you know, your books, the podcast. I mean, can't recommend it highly enough to all of you out there listening. I mean, go to trendfollowing.com. I mean, Michael's got multiple websites, but the one I have in front of me right now is trendfollowing.com. There's links to the books, the podcast, um, tons and tons. I mean, it puts tons of free stuff out there. I mean, listen, I mean, first of all, I think you should buy the $20 books or your, you know, if you, if you're not willing to buy $20 or $30 books, you're not going to succeed no matter what. If you're not willing to commit that 20 bucks, 30 bucks and eight hours to read the book or whatever it is. But he also puts out tons of free content and has been putting it out free for, you know, when did your podcast start? When did you start? 2013. You know, hey, I got to add a side note on the books though. I have to say, as you're giving me a uh, you know, a promotion to buy for people to buy a $20 book. I think over the course of my lifetime, I've purchased over a thousand books from other people. Yep. So, so you're right on about books and it's not, so just to clarify, it's not just me making some money. Of course, I'm a capitalist. I like to make money, but Hey, I buy books and I have been buying books like crazy forever. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's, I, I'm an avid reader. You know, I, I talk about it on the podcast all the time, you know, 90, 90% of the reason I wanted you on here is because of your writing and how valuable I think it is. And, um, I just think that it's like, especially to me, and, and I know we joked about social media and Facebook a little bit, but it's like, I'm more, I've always been an avid reader, but as, especially like since the election as, as, as social media just went completely off the rails in 2016 i've been pulling back more and more and just reading more books because it's like man yeah. it, it yeah. you can you have to actually think and you're not like you know obviously we all know how the algos work and like facebook i mean they just put in stuff in front of you to make you mad you know that's how the algo works and i mean just if you're if you want to learn an investment strategy learn to be disciplined learn to repeat some sort of system Go to books, man. Get off get off the internet. <laughs> I concur. Well, again, Michael, I would like to thank you for coming on. I appreciate it. Um, to all the listeners out there, again, always be sure to go to steadytrade.com. We will link all of you know everything we've talked about here. We'll link to Michael's books, his podcast. It'll all be in the show notes at steadytrade.com if you're listening on iTunes. Or if you're on uh, YouTube, we'll link them below. And as I mentioned, definitely go to trendfollowing.com. 
that's the direct way to get all of Michael's stuff. I'd like to thank you again, Michael, and this was good stuff, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Dan. Appreciate it. That concludes this episode of the Steady Trade Podcast. And as usual, if you have any questions, concerns, or recommendations for us, please check us out at SteadyTrade.com, where we actually post transcripts of the episode and recap blog posts of the episode. It's a great resource if you're looking to expand your trading and get a more immersive experience from the Steady Trade Podcast.